0: Okay, any any questions about leprosy? <laughs> um, yes, Elsa. Hansen's disease is not contagious, correct. But if you read through, and well, we didn't read through all of it, it's clear that leprosy is, is an umbrella category that covers all sorts of things. Because um, you, you'll read about buildings that can get leprosy, and it seems to be clearly talking about some sort of rot or mold or fungus. So the basic gist is any sort of disease whereby the flesh is open, oozing, um, and it spreads. And so it really covers a lot of things. They call that leprosy. Then what happened is when they found Hansen's disease, oh, that's leprosy. And then they realized, oh, that's not contagious. Now, this, this is a broad term that covers, yeah, read through. Even in Leviticus 13, you can get it on your head, you can get it on your beard, you can get it all over. So it, 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 it's, it, there are certainly variants of it that are absolutely contagious, absolutely. Um, we just think of what's called modern-day Hansen disease, which is more a disease of the nerves. If, I don't know if you know this, the people who are in leper... Daniel Moore told me they actually have a leper colony in Hawaii. There's an island that's a leper colony. But... but um, what? What? But what goes on with Hansen's disease is that you're, the, you're, it's a neuro, neurological disease, and so you don't feel it, you, you don't realize what a friend's pain is. Because when you grab something, you grab too hard, or you reach into the flame and you feel pain, you pull back. What happens if you don't feel pain? Over time, you gradually chip, cut, nick, burn your extremities. And that's why they start to constantly having open sores and things, is because they, they don't feel when they are hurting themselves. Um that's, that's what modern-day Hansen's disease is. And so consequently, there's a withering of the fingertips and other body parts. But um, like I said, if you want to take the time, I mean, I thought reading through eight verses of 13 was kind of gross enough. You can read through all the 13, 14, and 15 in Leviticus, and you can see it's a much broader category, the real clear... The real clear symptoms are it goes deeper than the skin. It's not a white scab. It actually is open. There's an eruption, and it spreads. It doesn't stay contained. So any number of skin diseases that could fit that qualification would be viewed as leprosy under that law. The point isn't, again, to diagnose it, because there is no treatment. It's basically when these symptoms occur, they go outside the camp. That's, that's the deal. Um, no, f- fair enough observation. Um, other questions or thoughts or... Anything. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah Yes, sir. My yeah. yes, yeah. yes, Bible go. Interesting. I must be holy. Let me check. Interesting. Oh no, no, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, that I did not look into. I did not look into variants on that. Let me hold on a sec. I'm a I'm sure you're right. Um, if that's the case, if well let me go to look into what the better, why they did that, what the yeah. I will punt in the sense that I'll get back to you next week, I'll respond to this. Let's assume the ESV's got it wrong then the only thing in the Old Testament that makes holy is the sacrifice that's been offered, which still is Jesus. So the question is, is this a picture of the altar and the sacrifice, or just of the sacrifice? So it, it's a significant point. If there is nothing, that would be a big problem. But it's still the one thing in the Old Testament that you touch it, you make holy, is the sacrifice and now in question the altar. Um, although I think that's the idea of why, if you grab the horns of the altar, no one can touch you. Um, Yes, Renee. <laughs> Interesting. I'll have to look into that. That's, that's cool. No, this is a great... Dis- By the way, guys, this is precisely why I think it's wonderful to talk, because, again, I'm not, I'm not a pope. I'm not in some category separate from, from you all. Um, we're all students of the Word, and so I, can, I could be an error. And so push back, be Bereans. The Apostle Paul taught in Thessalonica, and the Bereans didn't just take his word for it. They went and studied the Scriptures to see if these things were so. So this is precisely the type of thing. Like I'm accountable to the Word. We're all accountable to the Word. And we'll try to get to the bottom of this. And next week, after having had a chance to look at why the ESV differs from the other translations, we'll see if we can't resolve whether the ESV gets it right, gets it wrong, and what to make of it. But thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yes, Simeon. Yes. No, no. That's precisely the, the argument of that. No, no. In Hebrews, you can't get a, you can't escape this. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is trying to show how all these things point to Jesus. So Jesus offers the sacrifice. Absolutely. Let's go check it out. I left my. Do, do me a favor. In my office is my Bible. I left my Bible in my. Own. I mean, I got something here, but go to go to Hebrews um, eight. So I actually get my Bible in my hands. I won't be able to find it quickly, but I'll find it nevertheless. Um, go to Hebrews eight. It might be seven. We'll see. Um, every priest offers up, but he offered up himself. It's right at the end of seven. I want to say. Um, I think it's right at the end of seven. And I'm in Hebrews one. Seven twenty what? Seven twenty-seven. Yeah, okay. So seven twenty-seven. Okay, hold on. He has no need like those. Okay, go back a little bit. Um, let's go. The whole argument here is better. When you read through Hebrews, you're looking for better or greater. It's the repeating word. His covenants better. His priesthood is better. His sacrifice is better. Verse twenty-three. The former priests were many in number So he's the high priest, right? You get that from 26. He's the high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separate from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. He is the priest doing the offering, and he is the offering. Then you go to 1310, and he is the altar. Um, thirteen. Like, yeah. I believe it's thirteen ten again. Until I get my Bible back, the leather one with my notes from the sermon on in it. Okay. Thank you. Um. Okay. Yeah. Um. And let's go back to the beginning of the argument, verse seven. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is to say the Jesus who was faithful to them will be faithful to you. Um, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace and not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. So he's the he's the altar. I mean, you find out that most of the paraphernalia in the tabernacle and in the temple ultimately are pointing to Jesus one way or the other. He 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 is the fulfillment. They speak of him. So yes, he's the priest. He's the offering the priest is giving. He's the altar on which the offering is given. And actually, offering it to himself, I'd say it's the Father is the member of the Trinity the offering is being made to. I don't think he's. I mean, he's offering it to God. He's God. But the offering is being made, I believe, he pressed it to the Father. So I don't think he'd actually say he's offering it to himself specifically. But, yeah, he's, he's, he offers himself up as the priest, the offering, and the altar. It ultimately, and this is what uh, Hebrews, five, or Hebrews 8, verse 5, they serve a in the shadow of the heavenly mm-hmm. Yeah. That right yeah. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to pause and say that I tried to do, I tried to show some weekly of what Ligan Duncan in his message from the Together for the Gospel did two years ago. He really, all he's hammering at is one main point. I dealt with more things because I'm dealing with the text, but that notion of, that notion that Jeb just spoke of, of how the Old Testament law, even the parts that seem harsh and hard, are good and righteous and right, and they're for Christians, and they're beneficial for Christians, and they picture and point to Christ. I'll post that, or you can search it. It's called the Gospel by Numbers. If you just search Ligon or Duncan, the Gospel by Numbers, you're looking for T4G, general session message. T4G is short for Together for the Gospel, 2014. It is excellent. I'll, I'll post it up on Facebook later today. Um, it's talk about your whole notion of the shadow and the copy of things. Um, made me think of of my shadow of of Ligon's message, which was just excellent. I mean, you know, Zeb and I were talking before church. Like two years later, it's still one of the best things I've ever heard uh, on that topic, and it was really eye opening, uh, really eye opening. So, there's my plug and my, my my reference, lest anyone thinks I was stealing his material. Um, anything else on this? Going one. I got to point out one other thing. Go back to uh, Hebrews, I mean to Luke, um, Luke 5. Daniel pointed this out to me. Um, Daniel pointed this out to me during the coffee and doing it there. And uh, another little connection. Now remember the point from 4 when Jesus cites the example of Naaman the Syrian being healed, and the widow of Zarephath getting the miraculous supply of food, how God sent only one prophet to a widow, even though there are many widows in Israel, and God cleansed one leper, even though there were many lepers. The point being, you don't get to decide, God gets to decide where he sends people. He doesn't owe us anything. And Daniel said, isn't it striking then that after Luke has already highlighted that God and God alone decides who gets healed, when the man says, if you want to, you can heal me, Jesus doesn't say, I'll see if my father wants to. He simply answers, I will. Hello. There's another nod to deity, because the whole point of the previous passage was God alone decides who gets healed, and if Jesus were simply the messenger, if Jesus were simply a prophet, then he'd have to consult to see, if, is this one of the people God wants healed? He Himself, I will. That's what, now. I wish he'd mentioned that to me on Friday, you know. Um, but anyway, anyway. Um, any other general questions in Luke in general, or anything on, of that nature? Yes, Linda. Okay. So, about, yes. Yes. well they had to wash yeah yeah they had to, no first they had to wash and even though they washed they were still unclean until evening the constant is at least we're going to finish out the day in unclean um and there's a couple points i mean um there's the simply the uh we find it, no, but you have to be it. oh right here. thank you <laughs> she oh, found you it water, ladies and gentlemen she found my bible Oh. You, know, you know how it is. You know your Bible, and you got an underline. My underlinings make no sense, and you know, there's no rhyme or reason to them, but I know what they are. Okay, thank you. I feel much. Probably, by the way, probably the most frightening thing that ever happened. About six months ago, um, I, I went out to check on something with my Bible. I think during maybe special music, there's something that's going on, and I put my Bible down somewhere, and literally the final song is being sung, and my Bible and all my notes, I cannot find it. <laughs> That is not a fun feeling. I found it just in time, but that was going to be interesting. That was going to be an interesting Sunday morning. Okay. Uh, so your, your question is, um, the washing is, to, is for a couple of things. Because again, remember, the, these laws are meant to serve a couple of functions. Um, if you listen to Ligon's message, he, he says they serve a, uh, a societal function just for cleanliness. In fact, Israel ends up having some of the better cleanliness laws out of all the nations. All their refuse had to be taken out. There's all these washings. If There's even any hint of disease. There's quarantine. There's... Wa- anyway. Um, so there's purely... First is simply the... If you've come in contact with that, you're unclean, and people need to stay away from you till the evening. Part of that, just from a society sense, is if you're going to get something, if it's going to develop, there'll be time for it to be seen before you're back in the general um, assembly. By the way, notice Jesus doesn't apply that law to himself. He doesn't get quarantined for a week in this passage. I mean, he's over and above the law. He, the other guy isn't. You need to go offer, this is another thing if we had more time, you need to go offer the sacrifice as Moses commanded. I don't. If you read Leviticus, hey okay, Jesus, there's there's laws and commands that you, you touched him. You need you're supposed to be unclean till evening. Nope, <laughs> I don't get unclean, except on the cross. Well, anyway, this Friday we'll talk about that some. Um, the time Jesus does get defiled um, on the cross with our sin, but. So, th- so that's the first function. The second is to teach this notion of holiness. And so if you don't actually have the disease, but you came in contact with someone who did, or you came in contact with their clothing or their saddle or a jar, that spillover effect, you've got to go get washed immediately, and now you're out of the societal life till the end of the day. And that's assuming you don't actually contract the disease yourself, which is to show the holiness of God, because the whole, the whole notion of holiness is God is not like other people. He's not, I mean, that's, that's the function of why you can't draw an image of him because what will you compare me to? I'm not like you. I'm not like Coke. You know, people have those shirts, God's like Coke, he's the real thing. No, 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 Isaiah says no. What will you compare me to? Um, and if your answer is Coke, you're wrong. Um, the answer's supposed to be nothing. There isn't... Right, right. It's always heresy. <laughs> if you press it, absolutely, it's always heresy. If you press it, yes, uh, the the that's what Moses commanded. In fact, all of Leviticus fourteen, all of Leviticus fourteen, he has he is coming up. If he is cured, he has like another two weeks of quarantine to prove he's cured. I and mean, he's got sacrifices to make. I mean, there's a whole procedure. To, and the whole point is, if you think of like, you know those movies where they've got people in like bio labs and there's like these like gates and they step in and they blow all the air. That's the equivalent. It's like you go through this like quarantine period where even if you're cured, you go and they have to come back eight days later and you're shut up and let's make sure you're still really cured. And then you can be let back into society. And the priest is the gatekeeper. He's serving as a health official in a sense. I mean, Yeah. Yeah. Jesus tells them to go do that, which might be part of how the word got out. I mean, I don't know if people are standing around him or what, but, you know, Jesus tells them, don't tell anybody. And uh, word gets out. Now, either either the guy disobeyed or the people saw or the high priest. What happened? (laughs) You know, but either way that happens and, and the word gets out. But no, Jesus is telling them, you're under the law. Go do this. I'm not unclean. I know I'm not unclean, so I don't need to go do stuff because I'm unclean. Um, so Jesus doesn't do that. Any, yes, Zeb. Do you think that Luke uh, here is drawing from Luke 4 into Luke 5? Mm-hmm. Is he drawing attention? He mentions, um, uh, but I tell you, there were many many widows in the land in Israel and in the, the days of Elijah. The heavens were shut up for years, and six months in Elijah. Not of the number of a widow of Zarephath, and only Naaman was done. And basically the next section shows. Oh yeah, we're still, we're still, yeah, we're still seeing, we're still seeing that signs. The shift, though, in Luke five, is the shift goes from simply miraculous power to authority, and this is something greater because I mean, you've got guys in the Old Testament. There's not many of them. There's three big groupings of clusters of miracle workings in the Bible. You've got the ministry of Moses. There's a bunch of miracles around him. The ministry of Elijah and Elisha, and the ministry of Jesus and the apostles. Those are the big clumps. You, I mean, it's the odd miracle here or there, but people, them showing up regularly in the story. And so there are antecedents, and, and Luke is first showing Jesus can do these things, command demons, but you know the disciples will later do the same thing. And Jesus heals people, and the disciples later do the same thing. Um, and so as we're shifting into five, we're, we're shifting into a group of um, stories that all start with the same, um, same introductory formula, that agenata, which, which just means it, it happened, no ordering. So then, why is he grouping them together? The theme that starts to come out is authority. In fact, the very next miracle wouldn't even have taken place. I mean, this is striking. I mean, I, I'm robbing from next week's sermon. But Jesus was completely content when this guy gets let down on the rope, saying, Your sins are forgiven. And he would have been done. I mean, don't miss that. He, he's he's done. And he's done the greater thing. He's done the man better good. He's done the man better good. Yeah. Re- read 5. It's all about authority. Um, 5. I'm in 2 Corinthians. How the earth? Okay, there we go. 2 Corinthians 5, but okay. Um, 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. There's the introduction of our bad guys. They're not even... And this is the first instance in Luke's gospel where they're going to pick up and pay attention and not like something. Up until that point, they're just present. This is our introduction of our villains, if you will, for the narrative. One of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing... On a man who had been paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in, lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they sent went up on the roof and led him down on his bed, through the tiles, into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw the faith, their faith, he said, "Man, your sins are forgiven you." And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, "Who is this who speaks?" blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone when Jesus perceived their thoughts he answered them why do you question your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or rise and walk but that you might know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the man who's paralyzed I say to you pick up your bed and go home the miracles are meant to confirm the spiritual truth that's why they're not primary that's why Jesus doesn't want to be known first and foremost as a miracle worker. He wants to be known first and foremost as a teacher. That, that's His He had his self-identity of his ministry is, I'm here to proclaim, I'm here to teach. Certainly the miracles verify, the miracles confirm, the miracles um, give credence to his message, but he doesn't want it to be about Jesus, the miracle worker. It's Jesus who has a message and signs from God to confirm the message. He's completely happy, apparently. The healing here is incidental. Not incidental, but I mean, it is ancillary. It's not the primary thing. The big deal is you're forgiven. And you get the impression he would have been happy to be done there. And it's only because of what the Pharisees said, and it's only because he wants to prove to the crowd, no, no, I really do have the authority to do this. I'll do the easier thing. I'll say, get up and walk. Now, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven, but it's much, much more difficult to accomplish that. And so Jesus says, I'll prove the harder by doing the easier, which is easier to, you know, and then he does that. Um, so the emphasis is on authority there, right? That, that's, that's what we're getting at is authority. And the next one, um, the, the, the Sabbath and the fasting questions, something greater than Moses is here, the old wineskins moving into six, um, where he's Lord of the Sabbath. So, so yeah, Zeb, but the, I think there's a slight shift as we're looking at these miracles. They're still bearing out the Isaiah prophecy, the Lord, but now we're shifting into authority. Because there are antecedents in the Old Testament who did miracles and worked wonders and preached for God, you know, Isaiah and other people. But now we're looking at someone who's greater who does something the law of Moses could never do. The law of Moses has no prescription for curing leprosy, none whatsoever. He can. And he's the Lord of the Sabbath and he does what he wants on the Sabbath, and he can forgive sins. And so that that's the shift in the emphasis leading up to the Sermon on the Plain, which is what starts in the middle of six. And we actually get a sample sermon of Jesus. It'll take a chapter or two. Um, Yes. No, no, he wasn't addressing that at all. Yes. Yes. And and of course we're tempted to think, we should be marveling. His sins are forgiven. And if he grasps that, he'd be like, who cares if I'm still in a sickbed? My sins are forgiven. But because we tend to think the same way as the Pharisees, he does the lesser thing. Okay, fine, I'll heal him. Because otherwise, if he just healed him, okay, so you're walking around for 20 or 30 years before you go to hell. You know? The greater gift, the greater miracle is your sins are forgiven. And that's the whole point is that's supposed to be seen as primary. I mean, we're, again, getting back to what is Jesus' emphasis. His emphasis is about calling people to faith, forgiving sins, and accomplishing that. And to verify that which you can't see. I mean, in other words, it's easy for someone to show up here, I can forgive sins. How do you prove they can or they can't? You have to die, go stand before God, and see if your sins are forgiven. And then there's no coming back to witness to that. So he does signs and miracles and wonders to confirm his message. Um, but they're not, they're not central, which again is why he tells the guy not to tell anyone, I don't want my reputation, he's saying, in other words, being fundamentally the miracle worker. And this is how this is supposed to work. The message already got out. Somehow, the lepers come to believe that Jesus is Lord. Jesus has the power. I mean, think of where he succeeds where Jesus' hometown doesn't. His hometown, show us some miracles. He's convinced, you can heal me. I have no doubt you can heal me. Will you? That's the question. Um, this, this, this—the message has already reached this man, and he's heard and believed the message. He's Lord. And then there's, there's not for nothing that we have parallel accounts of two men falling before Jesus, calling him Lord for the first time in the book. And one's Peter, and one's the leprous man. And we're supposed to understand they're both the same. Peter says, "I'm unworthy." We get this gross picture of that, and that there's no difference. One's not more righteous than the other. Whether you're a dirty leper, whether you're Peter's who's going to write two books of the Bible, you're unworthy, you fall on your face before Jesus and call him the Lord would be the, the point, right? Um, okay, that's maybe a longer answer, but any other, any other questions or thoughts on this? You good back there, Dave? You look like you're stewing a question. No? Yes? He is! It's the opposite of wrinkly. Wrinkly. Irony is the opposite of wrinkly. Yes. Hold hold on. I want to hear this. I want to hear this. Take three. Oh, we're good. We're good. Number four. <laughs> Minimize the publicity. Minimize the publicity. Yes. 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 Oh yeah. Well at the end of four, everyone from the surrounding village, he laid his hands on each one of them and healed them from all of their disease. So everyone who came to him at the end of four gets healed. Everyone. This doesn't sound like a question, Dave. I think, I think I, no, no, and you're making the point I was trying to make, I was trying to make two weeks ago. No, 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 let me, yeah, I I get where you're getting at now. The hallmark of real power is even when you're, is, is if you're really working miracles, even though you're telling people, don't say anything, the word gets out and people come from all around. There's no flyers, there's no publicity, there's no internet, there's no TV, there's no jets. He's actively trying to minimize that aspect. And because it's legit and because it's for real, everyone's coming. As opposed to the the uh the t the, the v faith healers who you know as I've said this before, and this sort of does link into our topic of things, if somebody can preach an orthodox gospel and have a documented case where somebody doesn't have a hand or a finger and then they do like you win you win right i mean this Because no one can do signs. If you're doing miraculous works, you're doing it from one of two sources. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is accursed except by... So if you can articulate the gospel clearly and work a miracle, you win. Like, you win. And that's what happens here. Jesus never gets accused of faking these miracles, they attack, he's doing it by Satan, or whatever. But they never, never, never challenge whether he actually did do miracles. And they're always instantaneous, they're always everybody. And, and those are the hallmarks. And you can just look and see and judge for yourself whether that's taking place in the, in the, in the people on TV who are claiming to do that. Um, it's, it's generally not. Most of the stories I hear are all third or fourth hand. I know somebody who knows somebody who... Okay, cool, well, until I, you know... Anyway. Yeah, let me yes. Simeon. I like the picture of how Yeah, don't yeah, that's 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 the point of Hebrews 13. He went outside of the camp. He goes to where we are, right? I mean, and what ultimately is going outside of the camp for Jesus? he, he comes to earth. <laughs> What is Jesus going outside of the camp? You see, incarnation. He he goes to where we are in our uncleanness because we by no means could go up to him. So he comes down here and he walks among us in our little leper colony of sin, and he lives among us, and then he offers to reach out and cleanse us absolutely, Um, and that that's absolutely. I mean, that's it's a beautiful beautiful picture. Um, and then the exhortation for us is then let us follow him outside the camp, get outside of our comfort zones. Let us be willing to go love the unlovely, and not just stay in our nice little safe you know things, but let us also go outside the camp. Um, that's where the author of Hebrews goes. For that. No, absolutely. Hebrews uh, thirteen ten is excellent in, in making that point. Um, he didn't Golgotha, What's John Piper say? Golgotha is not a suburb of Jerusalem; it's outside the camp. Um, it's outside the camp. Any other? we got 10 minutes. Any other questions, thoughts? Yes. This is not to you. Okay, fair enough. A couple weeks ago, we were about the yes. The is, like, don't do to cause their okay, this is another great discussion. Excellent. And we, we do need to pick this back up. I've been having ongoing discussions with other people, multiple yeah. people on this very point. Well, actually, wrong that we're talking. Okay. And we came up with a question for you. <gasps> Okay, let me let me let me. You're you're misquoting me. Hold on. No. Um, Well, you and Sarah. I don't know which one of you did it, but no. No. What I said was nowhere in Scripture that I see are we told cause and effect for why someone is demon possessed, except for the fact there's a judgment from God. Like for instance, Saul offers a sacrifice he shouldn't offer, and then he spares Agag, and God judges him and sends a harmful spirit to torment him. But nowhere do I see in the Bible people. The, the modern notion is this. You play with the occult, play with Ouija boards, play with, with, de- with false religion, and you're opening yourself up for demons. My problem with that is Israel again and again and again hoard after other religions. They auth- offered their children to the Ashtaroth, to Baals, to all the gods, and they get smacked and disciplined by God. Never once do I read, and they picked up demons and got demon-possessed. Um, and the answer is always repent and return. There's no exorcism ministry taking place in all the idolatry and all the paganism. Paul says they're worshiping demons, 1 Corinthians, what the pagans offer to other gods, they offer to demons. And there's just none of that taking place. And so what, what I was saying was as I was reading Paulison's book is he was just challenging our assumption that if you get involved with the occult and if you start playing around with those things, you're a sitting duck, you're you're somehow more likely to get demon-possessed. The bottom line is I don't biblically know why or how some people get demon-possessed and others don't. And so it's not to say they didn't. I just, I don't know. The question is, is that assumption that we make an assumption the Bible backs up, or is that our own deduction? It might even be true. All I'm saying is I don't see much, if any, biblical backup for it. So we need to question our assumptions. It might be true that playing with the occult opens people up to greater likelihood of demon possession. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm I'm not seeing that as as an assumption the Bible's making, and certainly Israel had plenty and plenty of opportunities to test that hypothesis. Throw in the fact that all of the demon possessed people are lumped in and treated with the other sick like diseases. Um... Well, and the other point that Paulus makes is this. None of the demon-possessed people are being led into sin by their possession. It's it's much more viewed as an affliction on them. It's not as though because they have a demon, now they're given over to drugs, or they're given over to alcohol, or they're giving over to lying. It's more like they fall on the floor, they throw themselves into the fire, they cut themselves, or whatever. Um, they're, they're, they have an affliction that afflicts them. Now, Satan does have a ministry of tempting people. I mean, Peter says he... Roams around the earth seeking whom he will devour like a lion, and he tempts Peter. He sifts him like wheat, and and the point Pallison is making, and I, I think he makes well, is that that's a separate activity of Satan from what we see with these deep people with an unclean spirit. Who nothing about that unclean spirit is making them more wicked, is 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 making them do more sin. It's just. Very similar to having a disease. It's terrible. It's agonizing. It's it's humiliating. It's self-effacing. It's it's an affliction. Um, so that that's the distinction he's making, because I think it's grown common in a lot of modern day deliverance ministries, and if you're like Frank Peretti and all that stuff, that like if you're struggling with some sin, maybe you've got a demon and you got the demon of that sin. And again, that's not a notion that we see in the Bible. A, a, a demon giving you over to some stronghold of sin. Um, again, maybe that's the case. I just don't see it in here. That, that's all the point I'm, I'm trying to get at. Does that make more sense with the whole armor of God and everything? Well, well, the other point is this. No, the other point is this. Because Peter, Paul says, he, was, he who is within you is greater than he is without, I do not believe it is possible for a Christian, a born-again, new-covenant Christian, to, to have a demon um that's the whole argument of the binding up the strong man you replace him the strong man um the strong man is the holy spirit the strong man is god dwelling inside of the house so that the demon can't return type of notion um so for christians you do put on the whole armor of god and there the notion is when you're fighting the schemes of the devil you're on that other track of him tempting him luring him enticing which we absolutely if we don't put on the armor, we share a responsibility and a guilt for when we fail. So if you leave here today and Satan tries to entice you and, and lure you and you sin, and it's because you didn't put on the armor. Like there's, do you see the two prong approach? The thought is that Satan is this in this tempting business, but apparently at least in the gospel times and now he's also in this just afflicting business and they're not the same thing. That, that's, that's the point. Does that make more sense? Okay. Now, now this, this, admittedly, we don't get tons and tons of data on demons or even angels in the Bible. So, admittedly, um, we're having to, I'm more trying to be cautious in the assumptions we make, um, than anything and just question some of the prevalent, um, wisdom of the day that goes around. I, I I'd assumed those same things too until Palestine's like, where's the data to back that up? Huh. You know, and, and, uh, started checking it out. Yes, Elsa. It's David. Pa- it's out of print, but you can get it on Amazon. It's short. He's a fantastic writer. Um, even if you disagree with him, I think you'll find it very helpful. David Pallison, Power Encounters. Um, I got my copy kicking around here somewhere, but I, I had to order it. Um, it's it's no longer published. It's by Timeless Texts, I believe. But I think I got mine for like twelve bucks used on Amazon. Uh, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. It's excellent. Excellent. P O W L I S O N pow pow listen He's the head of the counseling department at Westminster No, the the Luke, look look at the language of Luke Oh today? Oh sure. Well, that, that, like I said, part of the difficulty is we don't even know clearly how they knew who had demons and who didn't. I mean, it's a fair guess, the kid who keeps throwing herself in the fire. Mean, in some cases, the symptoms might be more clear than others. But then you get the, the little girl who is prophesying and predicting the future in Acts. You know what I mean? Who's not doing that? I don't know. So how you diagnose that someone is demon-possessed, demon-oppressed, I don't know. Um, and, uh, I mean, Dr. Braun, you, you mentioned that, that uh, the, the boy who throws himself in the fire it fits some of the classic symptoms of, uh, what's the name? Epilepsy, right? So, I mean, how would you distinguish between epilepsy and a demon? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure medically there are tests you can. I, I, I don't even know how they knew who had demons and who didn't. Um, but the text is clear, unless someone wants to say, oh, this is these are just, this is one of the points I was trying to make, um, when we dealt with this two or three weeks ago, that Luke is able to recognize there are people who have sickness and he heals them and he delivers those unclean spirits. And the language is unmistakable. Either Luke makes a mistake. I mean, listen to this. Um, And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. There's no getting around that. So either Luke is wrong or this man has an unclean spirit in him, of a demon. And so, I I don't even know how they could tell what was what, but they did. Um, So, yeah. Okay, we're just about out of time. Anything else? Yes, Al. Hmm <sighs> mm, yeah oh yeah. Western society. Who would have thought hygiene laws would have been important, right? Until the Black Plague comes along. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peter wasn't possessed, but he was sorely tempted by Satan. yeah yeah no it's uh yeah yeah we don't have time but if you go read deuteronomy three or four or five or six i'll find it moses says that the god's law for israel is supposed to be so self-evidently wise that all the other nations are supposed to marvel and say wow what an awesome law i mean the law is good on so many levels Not simply for pointing to Christ, but just on a wow, there won't be as much disease. No, the the Black Death and the Bubonic Plague and stuff at that time in those cities, there was horse manure everywhere. People were pouring out their bucket, their privy buckets in the street, and there was just you know, the vermin, the fleas, everything. There's all the conditions are rife for the spread of disease, and Israel had to throw all that stuff outside the camp. There's yeah, they uh, they would have. Yeah, so even though it's got to be, I mean, you can just imagine if, if it's your mother, it's your daughter, it's your brother, it's your son who has to go outside the camp. When you see the big picture, it still is a kindness, you know, for the society. But anyway, on that note, we will take a break next week. Two weeks, because next week we're having Resurrection Sunday brunch. Okay.